0: Read the books, you've learned the rules, you've played the games, and so is your mom. Just making sure you're paying attention. Now it's time for something completely off base from the same guys who haven't done anything exciting yet are the Paladins of Podcast, Rob and Potato. Listen in as they talk about all things related to pen and paper games, challenge rules, and go off script. This is the high fantasy commentary you didn't ask for, but your mom did. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Epic Table Audio Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Epic Table Games Audio Show. Today, we have Potato, who has returned. Potato, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right. Took a sabbatical. Not really. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. you had some things go on, and it just made it a little hard to keep schedule. So, yep. last week, we had Zach fill in. Uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It, uh, Zach still knew. It was fun to have him on the show. It was fun to work with just him. Uh, so, it was cool. Well,
1: that's, that's, I'm glad that uh, he's still on board with that and was able to... Come in the last second. That's yeah, really good.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All right. So this episode is gonna be talking about um, some religion lore of RPGs, how you got all these gods, planes, and how the afterlife is, you know, like factual. Everyone knows about it. Mm-hmm. And how our world and how we in real life would actually act in certain in those exact circumstances,
0: like how we would act if we knew exactly that there was an afterlife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, like in D anD D and Pathfinder and other RPGs, you know, they everything is is factual. You, You actually have a measured space. You know the pantheon. You know how they are, what they are, what they do, and how to get in their favor?
0: Well, maybe to a degree, I would think. I mean, in both, in fact, not just both of our large tabletop RPG games, but in most tabletop fantasy-setting games, you have a multitude of gods. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, In fact, in real life, we have a multitude of gods, essentially. Um, We have Greek gods, etc., and... I think that when you open up to a point where you have many gods, not everybody knows enough about the other deities in order right. in order to really uh, get into some of their favor. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I mean...
1: Oh, yeah. It, it was like the same things I was thinking <laughs> about when I was reading this. Um, th- this whole topic kind of sprung up on a Reddit post I stumbled on. And this guy brings up how... There's a philosophy in our real life called uh, meta-atheism. Okay. How no one really believes in their heart of hearts, their religion, because the way they act in a funeral. Instead of grieving and feeling obliterated by the sadness, they should be happy knowing that their loved one is going on a crazy holiday, basically. Like, Oh. oh, he's going on to heaven oh, he's going to have so much good time there, can't wait to meet him, instead of grieving so harshly, this guy says. Oh, <laughs> well, I,
0: I think in in real life, it's. I mean, this is kind of a heavy topic we're starting off on, but I think in real life, the process for most people, that grieving, is the grieving of loss. Yep. And it's regardless of where they're going, you can be happy that they're there and happy that they are moving towards that direction, but it also means that you can't just turn around and give them a hug or call them or see them. It's because
1: they're not there in your physical space now.
0: Right. And that's hard for a lot of people. It is. Um, In fact, I, I look at a lot of different things when it turns to religious aspects. And what I find that a lot of people seem to have a difficult time with is the complete and utter lack of existence their own mortality and other people around them it's the the all of a sudden pure absence of the individual in your life and to a degree i think this guy makes sense i mean you'd be happy that they're in a better place or they have reached nirvana or they're in heaven with all of their needs and desires and everything met um now that's the good side of course if you know that they're going going to a bad or worse off right, place, right. Uh, I could definitely see you being upset about their passing.
1: Exactly, exactly. I want to bring that up too, because especially in RPG, there there's all these different uh, afterlifes. Yeah. It, it could be good or bad. So I feel you'd be more worried that they're going to the bad afterlife. I guess in the, the weirdest, vaguest way to put it, I never said bad afterlife before in my life, but you'd be worried about that in the bad plays, the the naughty zone (laughs) um well i
0: think in uh i i think i think in most games uh, if you actually really look at it and this is funny too because i just recently picked up for pathfinder uh the book of the damned oh yeah i did and the book is really the initial collection of all of the ins and outs of the uh not so nice of the afterlife Really?
1: Is it like the infernal plane or the abyss?
0: So, each of them have their own plane, and it talks about it. And hell has seven different levels, seven or nine different levels. Right, right. I mean, we have the abyss or the void or the astral plane, which is kind of like a neutral zone. But
1: yeah, I think astral plane is like uh, purgatory, essentially.
0: (laughs) Essentially, and then I mean, you have your your hells, you have, you have the whole deal. And on the flip side, the good place, most people are familiar with Elysium. Yep. Um, other than that, they don't really stray too far. So you're way more likely to get categorized into going to some form of hellish environment than you are to go to a positive environment.
1: Right, right. Um, Not to mention that in the transition of, like, your soul departing your mortal coil and going to another plane could get snatched by like an Astrodamon daemon or something mm-hmm. like that yeah and i feel in a setting where all this magic and all this planar activity is is known to us that would be something that you can't even protect yourself with you can't be like oh oh he's dead we gotta and put a protection on his soul so no one can snatch him on his way to elysium right it'll be it'd be very tough and that brings me to another point. Okay. This guy brings up this whole thing about how everything is known, everything is measured, and how our world would act so differently if this was the case for us. Oh. Let me let me tell you something here though. Okay. On the character sheet for mm-hmm. Pathfinder, yeah. the knowledge checks, like knowledge religion and whatnot, mm-hmm. that has to be trained. You cannot roll that normally, can you?
0: No, it does have to be trained. And that's common. I mean, that's, right. that's really um, some leftover bits from 3rd edition and 3 5.
1: And if I remember correctly, a plus zero modifier, a, a score of 10 in any ability makes you a normal average person, correct?
0: In the ability score? Yes. Uh, I think it actually depends on what rule set you're looking at. Oh, okay. A lot of them say eight, eight. some say nine.
1: So, so that would be what, negative one, negative two?
0: Ish.
1: So an average commoner, let's let's just say he's at ten, so plus zero, nothing to add on if he needed to do a knowledge check. Mm-hmm. Can't do a knowledge check on religion if he's not trained. So are you telling me that in the world of Galarian, in the world of Faerun from D&D, that the commoners, the regular average folk, not the adventurers, not the clerics, not the scholars, would they actually know as much as we, the players, know? It's not like the people of Galarian have the CRB in their pockets.
0: Um, <laughs> how'd you say D&D's world?
1: F- Did I say that wrong? I don't I don't play D&D. Um, <laughs> is it, is it Faerun?
0: I've always said Feyrun.
1: Feyrun. I don't know. Fae-roon. Whatever it is. Uh, Was it uh, the material plane of Abear or toral I, I don't remember the lore too much. Again, nah. I don't play d and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, if I butchered it, I apologize. <laughs> um,
0: so I was actually really distracted thinking about how you pronounce the name. So you're gonna have to kind of give me a recap. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: So, so, so all these commoners that oh, that's have, right. Yeah, no, no knowledge. So, no knowledge. Trained. <coughs> they don't have the the core rule book in their pocket. How how um, would they know these religions, these astral planes, these afterlives? They're just going off of what the church tells them. Well, let's... Just like in our world.
0: Let's translate slightly a little bit of, um, I guess, our world to our fantasy worlds here. Uh, First of all, mechanically, the skill check allows you to make a knowledge check based on what you know about certain aspects. Right. So think of it more like an in-depth knowledge versus surface knowledge. Like you don't have to roll about surface knowledge. For example, you probably haven't studied Hinduism in depth. No. You probably don't know all of the ins and outs, but you know that Hinduism is multi has many gods, it's got uh, a reincarnation process.
1: The guy is super cool looking.
0: Ganesha. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but that's what I'm saying is here in the real world, you have at least a surface knowledge. So if you were to have a 10 stat for average, Um, that essentially means that you cannot roll in-depth knowledge because you simply don't know, you haven't heard anywhere, but you do have enough basic knowledge to understand a little bit.
1: And that's only going off of what you've heard as you were being raised. Or read. Or read, right? Yeah, I feel it's not a far stretch to make it so similar to our world. I feel, realistically it's basically the same thing. The, the yeah. fact that we are outside players looking into the core rule set, that's what makes it feel like there's a disconnect. Well, Like, uh, how would how you not know? Well, it's just how the world is.
0: Well, I also think that a big part of it, like you said, is players looking in. You also have to look at the fact that a lot of times in these, these games, characters don't generally die and stay dead.
1: Right, you got spells like talking with the dead, you can resurrect, you can, mm-hmm. uh, was it, reincarnate, so you can be like a different race even. Mm-hmm. you got all these different crazy things that can happen. In our world, it, it's not proven that it can happen, but people say that it has happened. Right. So I feel that too is pretty much the same thing, you're just going off of what has been claimed. Sure. But yeah, so, again, you still are a cleric, who can be like, oh yeah, I can talk to this dead guy, I mean, watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean, and truthfully, there are evil necromancy in the world where they raise dead bodies uh-huh. and skeletons, et cetera. They're mindless zombies. So I think a part of it is the case that he's making is that a form of afterlife by any means is guaranteed. Right. Uh, whereas in the real world, any form of afterlife is not guaranteed. And I'm tr- trying to make sure I'm still following here is that his case is realistically not everybody would know that it's guaranteed yeah and i can see that i can agree with that um you know uh you can definitely make a case that every single individual has a faith so strong that they believe in whatever deity they believe in and they will go to a place in the afterlife that's acceptable enough for them you can make that case but then everybody is super religious and fanatical, and there are some people who just simply don't believe in deities.
1: Yep.
0: But then again, pulling from Wizards of the Coast's lore when they designed Dungeons and Dragons, there are individuals who usupered. I said that wrong. It's late already here.
1: Usurped? That's
0: one way to say it, too. (laughs) Anyway, who overthrew deities to right. ascend themselves. So they know it's possible for mortals to somehow become gods.
1: Yeah. Um, gods but again, that could be just a claim. <clears throat> that just could be a story. I, I could definitely <laughs>
0: say that outside outside of a certain region, it right. can definitely more be story. Mm-hmm. But those people who have experienced and seen it, obviously yeah. know. He was
1: my best friend. Now he's a god. I know this is true. Right. You know, right.
0: Right. And seeing those things... um, I guess bringing it back to the idea of Greek gods, I mean, they felt that the Greek gods were real people, real gods, valuable in all ways, and they just lived out of sight and they only influenced the mortal world. Right. Ultimately, that's very similar to what our tabletop RPG deities do.
1: Very much so. I feel a lot of the inspiration is from the Greek mythology because of how personal the gods were to the mortal world.
0: That, and I think a big part of it is because of the massive amounts of races that have been generated. I mean, not everybody's going to worship the same individual. right? And honestly, in the multi theological worlds that they've developed, um, they've given characteristics to each of their gods, each yeah. deity. And these characteristics follow over into their followers, et cetera. And I mean, sure, there are zealots everywhere and oh, whatnot. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it is plausible that a majority of individuals within the the world setting lore would not know exactly what happens in afterlife i mean really thinking about it actually common farmers i mean they probably are just pretty set when you die you die and you hope for the best like they don't know that
1: how much you want to bet in, in a realistic setting of any of these RPG worlds, that common farmer would not know the difference between a cleric, a sorcerer, and a wizard. You just see a couple of guys in robes who are making weird things with their hands.
0: <laughs> well, maybe a cleric I could see because he's pretty holy.
1: Well, yeah, I guess it depends. Okay. Yeah, you know, I true. mean,
0: clerics and paladins I could see. You usually being...
1: hold their holy symbol right there on their chest. That's yeah. a good point, too. Would you know exactly what god that they're wearing by looking at their symbol?
0: No. And I think right. that's I think that's reflected in the fact that your knowledge religion check needs to be trained. Exactly. Um, again, though, I mean, you know that there's multiple gods out there. You yeah. may have heard of their specific deity, but you're not familiar with it. And that represents the lack of trained knowledge. Uh, I think realistically, though, having trained in such broad strokes like knowledge religion is kind of a way to short change it but streamline it at the same time
1: yeah i mean you gotta give it a simplified mechanic because it's still in its base form a game
0: right right and i mean you really don't want to i'll use real world um examples here you don't want to max out like knowledge christianity and have no ranks in buddhism or hinduism right. <laughs> or judaism <laughs> etc and then you still Let's say you do max out that one specific niche. Then again, you still are missing all of the sub-facets of that niche. So you have to streamline it by generalizing it. And I guess it's up to the players who really decide how far they want to take that.
1: That brings me up to a good point too because... Would that be a uh, maybe like a, like a profession that you can lean into? Is that a thing in the game? Oh, like, Where you're like it's like a specialized knowledge that's leaning from the religion?
0: You know, if, if a character brought that aspect to me, I think I would work a way to allow something like that. Yeah, uh, so that's for, a neat idea. For instance, if they decided to take profession clergymen and had knowledge religion... Um, Sure, I would allow maybe like a plus two synergy bonus yeah, there because like he that. has an in depth knowledge.
1: Because this is specific to what I trained in, yeah. not the broad strokes of the general rank.
0: Right, right. And I, I think that's fair. I think as a dungeon master, it's very important to be able to allow characters to fully flesh out and develop their characters. Yeah. Um, allowing your player to look for those synergistic bonuses based on story is super important as it is. Oh, yeah. Um, but again bringing it back to the to the question and I want to make sure that that we didn't get too far off base here but we're looking at if we were to make the rule set more realistic right for the afterworld
1: yeah yeah so gosh um.
0: Dead space. You got to think yep, a little quicker. Yeah, dead
1: space. Yeah, it, 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 I'm tired, man. No, it happens. Um, let's see. So, what 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 the guy brought up was more about um, the society factor mm-hmm. of how uh, the game's religion and whatnot would be influenced if it was our real world. Um, he, I think he brought up. Bef- a little topic, hold on not a little topic. But you brought up a spot where, kind of like a prison, you have a group of individuals who are there to like watch over and protect everyone from uh, basically being sent to a bad afterlife. Okay, and how it'd be so important for someone to be locked in place and know where they're going, mm-hmm. and how the whole world in real life, would be more mindful and organized in their alignment. Like, oh, Billy, hes I notice he's been acting a lot more lawful. He's my good friend. I want to make sure I'm in the same afterlife as him, so I'm going to act a bit more lawful. But what about my friend Jenny? She's acting a bit chaotic. She's not going to follow us. She's another good friend. I want her to follow us. So I feel... That brings up a good topic, kind of like how, like you said earlier, fanatics. Mm-hmm. It will definitely become fanatical easily, I feel, if people want cool. to basically be in the same afterlife with each other.
0: Well, if, if we look at real-world examples, there are plenty of aspects that, that can translate here, and I think what ends up happening is self-balance in the middle of the road, right? Um, which really leaves, in game terms, neutral.
1: Yeah. And there are plenty neutral.
0: plenty of people who kind of oversee neutral. I mean, sure, you have your neutral evil, your neutral good, your uh, true neutral. And, and not every single one of them has a afterlife domain. They all end up in one of the few or one of the many afterlifes there are.
1: Right. Yeah. You know what that... that, that does bring up a good point like there's what nine alignment types in like yep. D pathfinder yep and there's not like there's nine afterlives per alignment section
0: well essentially there's i mean i guess you could say three there's the bland astral plane where kind of like purgatory right. there's your heavens and there's your hells yeah i mean each each group has a few different planes in them and I'm not sure if you've seen the planar maps. Are you familiar with those?
1: Ooh, you know, that's something that I probably should have looked up before we started this episode. But I feel like I remember, but I could be remembering d d not Pathfinder.
0: Yeah, um, I don't remember right offhand what the Pathfinder planar map looks like.
1: Because it, it is like a, the diagram of spheres and stuff, correct?
0: Uh, D&D's is.
1: Oh, okay. See, I was right. I was thinking about
0: that one. <laughs> yeah, so you're probably a little bit more familiar with something like this one here. And, oh, yeah. And so people can't see the, the map here, but it is split up into four quadrants. your good, lawful, evil, and chaotic. And as you notice that you have lawful, but you don't have neutral, but you do have chaotic. So neutral is somewhere in the middle. And then good and evil. That's obviously, I mean, yeah. right there. So neutral somewhere has to <gasps> sort of squeeze somewhere between all those.
1: <laughs> and yeah, that's the thing. In real life, if that's the diagram that everyone's like, this is truth, this is fact, we've measured it, this is undeniable information here... You know how much stress a person will have to go through? Like, okay, so where am I falling into? Where am I going to go when I die? Where am I in this diagram? <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> right. So yeah, let's let's zoom in on this so we can talk a little bit more. It's hard to see. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Then you got like the elemental planes. They're also in between all that. I forgot about the elemental well, planes.
0: Well, your elemental planes are within the outer planes. Right. So, in your good quadrant. Especially, I mean, again, we're looking at D and D here. You have your Bitopia, Elysium, the Beastlands, uh, and then you start to get more into the chaotic realms as you go like from Arboria and Ysgard, Limbo, Pandemonium, the Abyss, and then right at the Abyss is where you start to transfer into the evil planes: um, Carceri, Hades, Gaea, the Nine Hells. And then we start to transfer into lawful Archon Mechanus, which Mechanus is really cool. That's where most of your Warforged come from in D&D. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, I played a few games that took place in Mechanus. It was really neat. Um, Arcadia, Mount Celestia.
1: Arcadia is like the magic, right?
0: Or am uh, I wrong? You know, honestly, I don't remember uh, right offhand. But that's, that is the Dungeons & Dragons uh, planes. And the... The heavens and hells are in your outer planes. And then you still have the outlands and you have things beyond right. that in general. But everything...
1: It's crazy that they even thought of beyond that border. There's other things happening. Well, things beyond recognition. Yeah,
0: yeah. Ab- absolutely. And I would just like to say that a lot of people are familiar with the Abyss. Right. I mean, I would assume that when you hear about monsters that go bump in the night and things that scare the heck out of children and the boogeyman, etc., I could see people saying, oh, that's from the abyss. Right. That's from the great abyss.
1: From the darkness. Yeah. You know, right. uh,
0: you know I, I'll use the nothing from Never Any Story. Oh,
1: God, I love that movie. I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> the nothing would be something that you just cannot fight against, man. Right. <laughs>
0: right. And likely comes from the abyss. Right. And those, those things right there are are at least solid foundation and concrete in enough people's minds that I could see that they know and they can gauge where they're going to end up if you use uh, the Abyss is what we're talking about. So if you use the Abyss, you your gauge. Right. I mean, it's either, yeah, I'm going there. No, I'm not.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> you know, maybe
0: the Abyss is, is the middle of the road and there's a place worse and there's a place better and I don't want to end up here.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so it depends on as you said what they know for their knowledge uh, what they know for their religion and how they how they act because we are we have known that both real world and fantasy games that a person a character player their personality types and what they do helps define kind of where they go exactly in the end
1: there's always a consequence
0: yeah absolutely and if you want to play middle of the road you end up middle of the road um kind of boring but it is what it is and i guess the idea that if we had everybody in the fantasy realm kind of have that concrete knowledge which i don't play or i don't really oversee many games that have such a strong religious presence be- right. because people don't tend to just run around screaming their religion.
1: Yeah, that's true. Even even today's age, no one really is walking around <laughs> exclaiming what they are, yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there was a time... Oh, hello,
1: I'm James, I'm Methodist. Uh, oh, hello over there, I'm Methodist. <laughs> oh,
0: right, I mean... Cer- oh,
1: hi, I'm Baptist. <laughs> in certain settings,
0: I'm sure it goes down.
1: Uh, not, not in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
0: as, as it stands for in-game, it's not really a thing that people jump up and down and reveal. Right. It you don't just be like oh It's a very hey. personal thing. Yeah. It is. And I think playing it that way and I do that in specific ways particularly because a I generally play with people who are of a multitude of different religions. So right. it is absolutely paramount that we don't upset, piss off, or irritate anybody at the table because religion swings one way or another. Exactly. Most people can separate how they personally feel from their character's religion and that's acceptable, that works. But there are some people who get involved enough and have enough of a commitment to their character's religion that you don't want to essentially uh, demonize or um, conflict with their religion because it's offensive. And we try not to be offensive.
1: Have you ever had a game where someone's um, player character's beliefs or what they've done because of their beliefs offended a player?
0: Um. Yeah, I think I have actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So
1: that'd be nuts. Like, hey, I, that's not me that said it. that was my character. <laughs> right.
0: And so I've got a history of being semi-abrasive. And i had a character at one point who really just didn't care about a majority of other deities um and he he was always talking down about deities and his character story was he kind of rolled through a lot of them he was like ah you know they just didn't work out for me i had to keep finding ones that did
1: Oh, really? So he was like a, like a religion hopper? Yeah, yeah, kind of
0: <laughs> like Madonna. And he uh, he would say things and the conversations would come up. I think he was a bard, um, but the cleric hated him, the paladin hated him, hated him. Wow. And the characters hated him because the players didn't like my character. And then on top of that it also started causing issues between those players and me outside of game. Oh, So, yeah, it's it can definitely happen because the way that they view it, and I think I've mentioned it once before on our episodes, is that there are two types of characters most people play. Right. Those who they either aspire to be or exemplified versions of who they think they are. Right. You know, that's generally the two types of characters people play. Um, and I think that the characters who got mad at me were trying to play exemplified versions of themselves. And uh. I wasn't, I was just going with the flow. I used to be a big shenanigans player. <laughs> used to be. Used to be. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I still have some shenanigans. <laughs> um, but he, uh, the bard I'm talking about was friendly schmoozed everybody very charismatic and then without skipping a beat like it was a matter of fact he would slander somebody's god (laughs) (laughs) and he just didn't even think twice about it you know and yeah it can't it can irritate people he he knew that character knew about the afterlife i mean he had actually experienced the afterlife okay um on multiple occasions if I remember correctly, how it rolled through the game. And the rest of the world didn't quite understand the concept of concrete afterlife. Because really, I mean, not knowing as much lore, in the lore of D&D, have you heard of the Wall of Souls? I have not. Alright, so the Wall of Souls is where horrible people go and their souls are stuck in this wall. Cool. And <laughs> they usually cannot escape or be freed. And they are left to be in the wall forever. Ever, ever, and ever. Wow. That's end of story. Suffering the wall forever with all these other souls just like you stuck. <laughs> um, Stop touching me! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's an interesting concept and idea but one of the things that this bard i'm talking about ended up happening to him is he ended up in the stupid wall
1: but he got out
0: yeah somebody wished him out
1: ah, oh wish mm-hmm. that does it that'll do it right there
0: yep yeah. um here we go. Here's here's some Forgotten Realms stuff when we were talking about the journey from life to death. Um, when ensouled mortals of the prime material plane, so generally Earth, you're on prime material, right. um, which is different than the material plane by by all rights, um, die under normal conditions or circumstances, their souls depart their bodies, and they're pulled to the fugue plane. The journey was not instantaneous, although it would seem that way to the soul itself. Some argue the journey could take as long as three days to even a month of time on the prime plane. Um, so if you know that religion, if you follow that religion, definitely your bag of tea, but not familiar with it, most people don't know. But again, this is just afterlife. Um, when it talks about afterlife in Forgotten Realms. And again, Lost Souls, um, Fugue Plane, its uh, soul resides in waiting, wandering about aimlessly, unaware that it's even died, until it's retrieved by a representative of one of the powers. So, okay. So now, now that we have a little bit of this information, and we continue to l- look at the comparison of if they all know. Sure, I mean they have a purgatory where they just sort of wait. They're like they're not even aware that they're dead yet. They're just all of a sudden like whoa, blank slate, what the heck? Right. And then. Somebody comes down and gets them, which would probably be somebody that they believed in or were closely tied to.
1: Someone they could trust or else they want to follow that guy.
0: Maybe. Yeah. I, I, could also see, I could also see, like, you know what? You followed um, Deity ABC, but you really acted like a huge jerk. And deity X Y Z is claiming your soul, buddy.
1: <laughs> I was about to say that X Y Z is getting you <laughs> right. right,
0: Which which could be cool and everything too. Um, in fact, I also think it's one of those things that, for example, in our our soon to be soon to be released side quests. Yep. Your father, Alburn. Yep, Alburn. Father Alburn died.
1: Yes. <laughs> and
0: and so the results of this death, which spoilers. It's okay. It's not a huge <laughs> not a huge deal.
1: Now, no one's gonna listen to it like my favorite character, Father Auburn, died. Ugh.
0: Right. Three it's gonna be three episodes in when it <laughs> happened, by the way.
1: It's a world record in my book. I mean
0: So So we're gonna break it down. You had knowledge religion. Yep. So when you ended up in the astral plane, that happened because two interdimensional spaces intersected and you
1: blink right. to
0: the astral plane. You
1: didn't die. No, I wasn't dead.
0: But you went to the astral plane. Um, and Pathfinder, astral plane, Phrasma. So I gave you all of the key ingredients when you made your knowledge <laughs> religion check to know that it was for asthma. And you played your character how you, how you say was committed to the character's essence himself. Yeah. You still stand by that?
1: I still do. He, he, he when you listen to the episode, you'd be like, why did he pull a Karen move? Which he definitely did.
0: Absolutely. But <laughs> without Let me
1: speak to your manager
0: without telling you it was Phrazma, Did you know?
1: That the person that he yeah. talked to was Yeah, Me, the player,
0: mm-hmm.
1: honestly did not know. Okay. Be brutally honest, because of the description and whatnot and the jokes that are made. My mindset was the thing, was in the thought process of, this is the middleman, the, the clerk to Phrasma. Okay. So so yeah, Father Auburn's like, oh, guess what, lady? I'm going to intimidate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they're pretty good intimidate actually. You Let did. Let me speak to Phrasma. And come to find out, oh, you are Phrasma. Oh, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should have intimidated a god. She was so intimidated. Guys, you gotta listen to this. She was so intimidated that she sent Father Auburn to hell. She's like, "Oh my god, you're so scary!" Bye.
0: I don't think that's how it worked out. <laughs> no, it's not. How it but, but I mean, if you want to spin that story, just wait. Just wait till you hear the episodes. Anyhow, you once you knew, once you knew it was for Azma herself, you still stood by the fact that yeah, he probably would have intimidated her.
1: He probably would have. He probably would have said what he said, but he probably would have still intimidated her to try to get out of the plane. Right. Because he he felt he was above being stuck in the actual plane. He's like, this is, you know, intolerable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm alive. I'm not dead. I don't belong here. (laughs) Right.
0: So we we look at it, and now you know enough of lore where if you're not dead and gone and your character sheet is, like, destroyed somewhere, you can be found, you can be brought back, et cetera. And you didn't really roll him that way. No. You just... You just kind of said, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go in. I'm going to piss off some people. And uh, we're going to see what happens. So you ended up from the astral plane in an intimidation check with a real big Karen move, like you said. Ended up in hell. Yep. And now I don't want to talk about what comes next because that that's is definitely still that's still <laughs> hidden um, behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, but you rolled up another character, et cetera, and we're, we're going to debut him uh, this next game. Yep but knowing everything you knew and knowing how things played out, the only thing you would change is just the intimidate check.
1: Yeah. I think in Father Alburn's shoes, his mindset was that he was too powerful, too destined by Sarah Ray to be basically like, I guess you would say embarrassingly stuck in the actual plane. He's like, I will find my way out of here if I gotta kill some people or <laughs> so, raise raise a smite Bible on you. <laughs> so,
0: so, looking at this again, I mean, he was a a passionate, zealot follower oh, yes. of Saren Ray. Oh, yes. And he didn't once call for huge help.
1: Like like from Seren Ray or, yeah. no, you know you know what you did bring up a good point there. I wasn't thinking, oh, I should call out to Seren Ray. Maybe she will help me. He was thinking I will get myself out of here because I'm strong that way. <laughs> so
0: so really playing your character because you you had said when he first started that you didn't quite play him how you imagined him.
1: True first couple episodes uh, i i feel like i didn't have the the time and the moments to say and do what i wanted to do
0: but yet in the end he died by hubris
1: Yep, and, <laughs> and, and arrogance which, which was true to form because i want him to be that arrogant son of a bitch you know <laughs> so,
0: so at the apex of your character <laughs> at the at the crucial moment you're like we are gonna go all the way and you did yeah. And you did. I mean, sure. You flayed your character. You knew that there was an afterlife. You knew there was a death possibility. You are like, I'm going to totally go to Elysium. Not a big deal. Woohoo! Let's rock and roll. Right. And uh, you're like, yeah, we're totally positive people. But because of how things roll out in story form, as well as the possibility of the fact that somebody is actually judging you based on your deeds, etc.
1: Right.
0: When you died, which technically you still didn't die.
1: Yeah. That's true, I didn't die in the, in the mechanical
0: form. Right, yeah. right. Um, you were just sent to hell. And these yep. are physical places, so we still look at the idea of Greek gods, um, where Hades is still the underworld and Mount right. Olympus is the top and gods live there, etc. So you went to God's planes. you ended up in hell, you ended up on the third or fourth level. And, excuse me, physical place where mortals can go and travel to. I think that's what it is, really. I think that we look at the concrete evidence of afterlife because the fact that mortals can travel, and there are stories of mortals traveling to these other planes. True. That is the entire crutch of the anti-argument for this guy.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: Because heroes go to these other planes, and even though the stories may not be widespread, I would say in a majority of dm homebrew worlds as well as a majority of the rules and adventure modules and character paths and organized play and all the lore it's widespread knowledge that people go to certain afterlifes and come back
1: right but yet again they'll have to be the adventurers the heroes the the legendary exceptional people yeah not your common farmer
0: but if they go i mean you're you would be like oh man they, there's definitely a place to go and i don't want to go to hell so maybe that does influence it yeah and maybe that is the concrete evidence that the, the argument makes against his case is that oh well you know what I know because they've traveled to a physical place. There's artifacts from a physical place. Right. Portals have opened up and shit has come through that
1: place. Dude, look what he got from the souvenir shop from Hades. Right. Look at that. Absolutely. <laughs> so honestly, it's not the that... T-shirt. <laughs> I heart Hades.
0: <laughs> the place, not the man.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I went to hell and all I got was a freaking coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> I vacay in
0: hell. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean we we look at Florida and I think that the fact is is that we did we took the article seriously and we understand the assignment there. Yeah. It's it's that in the real world what we have is a lack of certainty. But I think they've proven in RPG's fantasy settings with multiple deities is that they've proven deities exist. Yeah. In fact there are physical manifestations of deities. Right. They have been on Earth, they have walked with common folk they have done the deeds and while a lot of them have thrown up their hands and say oh, i don't care anymore there are still plenty of them who influence and speak to plenty of their followers
1: well heck even uh galarian's lore the the world wound mm-hmm. that's that's an actual place of nothing but war and chaos with the demons and stuff yeah so you really can't say oh that's just a story that's just a claim that's an actual occasion. You could walk there right. and die. <laughs> right.
0: And then now as we continue to explore this idea, I think the people who are unsure, like I don't know if there's really an afterlife, I would consider them to actually be actively ignorant on purpose.
1: Yeah. In a crazy fantasy setting like Galarian and Fa- Faerun, Faerun. <laughs> you would have to be ignorant and blissfully blind to what's going on around you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that while it may not be truly spoken about, it's absolutely certain that when they die they feel like they're going to go somewhere.
1: It's like an unspoken agreement.
0: It must be something like that. And <laughs> I mean, it, at first as we were talking, I really I really did think that it was a great line. I mean, if in fact thinking about when we started our episode, um we kind of made a great case for sure it's playing it realistically, but now as we've talked I, I think I've changed my opinion. I think the way it's set is that they do know that there's a place because they've provided undoubtable proof about such place.
1: It kind of... I guess <laughs> the whole thing really hinges on the table. on yeah. the, the players, on the DM and how they're going to role play that out because if no one says anything about it then, uh, just like what we just said, you're, you're blissfully blinded to the, the world's lore and, and it's... Uh, pantheons and uh, multi-theistical religions and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah. I think... I definitely agree. Uh, 180 yeah. turn. Ab-
0: absolutely. And I mean, it It sucks that we talked ourselves out of such a great argument, but <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I think it's an evolution of both the way we play and how we see things go on in these fantasy worlds.
1: So, so after this discussion, are you gonna DM a bit differently? Are you gonna keep this in mind and try to have more of this world knowledge and part of your campaign? No. No? <laughs> well, I, I mean,
0: I can, I, the reason I say no is is very simply because um, good versus evil is a pretty common trope. Yeah. And Classic. It's always... Tale as old as time. It, it's always there in every game. Good versus evil. And I think giving every character a religious tone is it's setting up for a specific game and I, I I want a fantasy game. It doesn't have to be a religious game.
1: True. Um,
0: you know, people can argue, Hey, when you open up the gates of hell, it's instantly religious. You know, I mean, come on. It doesn't have to be. We're,
1: well, I get, well, that just leans into what you're doing there in the first place. Like why did it open up? Why are you there? Right. Is it because you had to retrieve an item or is it because you had to save a deity, you know? Right. So I remember I remember one campaign um, I didn't play or anything, but there's one campaign where uh, half of the good deities were just just disappeared mm-hmm. and you had to figure out what happened to them and you had to oh this was a Rovagug, the, the really bad evil necromancy like demon guy. The, the, the really bad evil dude he like kidnapped a couple of the gods and this and that. So that makes it a bit religious because you're yeah. you're you're investigating and being hands on with these deities. I can't remember why you being like level 5 at the time. I can't remember but
0: I don't even know.
1: But yeah, it it, it just depends on how you're playing, how your campaign is. It doesn't have to be religious. Uh, religion in the real life is controversial and diverse yeah. and a very personal topic as it is. It doesn't have to be in your game. Right. It doesn't have to be.
0: Completely agree. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Let's wrap it up here. And thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to check us out online at epictablegames.com on Facebook and our Facebook group, both Epic Table Games.
1: Epic Table Games. See you. Epic Table Games. <laughs> robin potato until next time stay in touch on facebook at epic table games and online at epictablegames.com yeah 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 Yeah. epic table games Yeah, yeah yeah yeah